Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Besides helping us to make shows like this possible, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts like Tep and Step, access to all 61 years of the magazine in our digital archives, recruiting analysis, and must-see insight from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, we hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe that's texasfootball.com slash subscribe and thanks for listening the texas football today podcast is brought to you by chocolate milk built by nature you can watch texas football today live weekdays at noon at texasfootball.com and on facebook and if you like the show subscribe to the podcast vendor of your choice give us a positive rating yes yes y'all from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas. It's Texas Football Today, a show that is lacking a producer. So it's just, just me. Mm-hmm. My name's Greg Tupper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your it's day with us. Classic. Whether you're you watching know, it's live good. at texasfootball.com I mean, or on Facebook or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I'm sitting here at the helm today because uh, Pickle is out. I don't know. Pickling it up. Pickling it up. Recovering from her food coma from the Texas High School Barbecue State Championships this weekend. Uh, so in her stead, actually, I guess technically you're in my stead. I guess, sure. Yeah, okay. We just arranged chairs. <laughs> uh, sitting over there in the hot seat today, he is the co-host of the award-winning Republic of Football podcast. Oh. <laughs> he is the, I just gave you an award. Sure. Like, okay. I'll best take, podcast ever. I'll take it. Uh, as well as the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Basketball and Dave Campbell's Texas Football Editor and the editor of Texas Coach. What don't you do? It's Ishmael Johnson. <laughs> I don't do sales, which I am very happy to Buddy, not, to be that happy. is good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, welcome back. This is your yeah. first time in studio on the program in... About a year, probably. About a year. Yeah. Probably more. Yeah. Because I don't think even when we were Because I was on vacation the first week of when the quarantine started. And so that's, and I basically just stayed on vacation <laughs> or at my, band, and, at my family's and house. And then when we came back in, we tried to come back into the studio last June for like a couple of weeks and then like things did not go well. Right. And so we all went back home. Yeah. You, like you weren't on the show then. So. Right. Yeah, welcome back. The people are the people are happy to see you. Yeah, I'm you happy that. to be back. Today is well, I'm gonna change cameras. Today is Monday, April 26, 2021. 213 days till Thanksgiving. Episode 1,152. 1,152. This is the. Hold on, let me see if I can do that. Hold on. I don't know. Am I doing this right? Yeah, there we go. 1,152. This is the number of strikeouts from Michael Young in his illustrious Texas Rangers career. I think you got a number retired. On today's show, my friends, we've got headlines from across the state, including um, Sam Houston's still alive by the hair on their chinny-chin-chin. <laughs> we'll talk about that. And then back half of the show, we're going to start a series uh, here in the offseason. State of the program address. And since we've got the preeminent Texas State uh, expert not named Kef here at the uh, here at the ready, 
That's fair, right? Yeah, no, that's very fair. <laughs> Jeff's awesome. I got no problem. Um, we will talk some Texas State football with uh, the great Ishmael Johnson coming up here at the back half of the show. We, we do have first four through the door. First four through the door. Hold on, let me make sure. Were uh, Tony Blaylock, Rob Hadaway, Daniel Agnew, and Carrie Odom Templeton, who was nice enough to be one of our hosts out there at the Texas High School Barbecue State Championship. Hey. Um, Carrie, if you're still here, please post the results because I didn't see who won. We didn't get to stay for the for the awards. Uh, if you're joining us to talk Texas High School Barbecue State Championships, uh, we are going to do that tomorrow with Pickle because Pickle's out and she has a lot of things to say. And so <laughs> I'll do that. I'll give you a quick preview. It was awesome. So we will get into that uh, tomorrow. So there is all of that. Okay. Let's get some headlines from across the state of Texas. Let me see if I can do this. Okay. Uh, we're going to get some headlines from across the state of Texas. We'll start on the football field. And on the football field, did you? how much of the Sam Houston game did you watch? I saw mainly the end. Okay. So I saw how they well, went. And, and it got... It got hairy. Yeah. Uh, it got hairy. If you if you missed it, uh, they do. Uh, Sam Houston State, or Sam Houston, I should say, uh, is uh, playing in the in the FCS playoffs. They advance to the quarterfinals with a twenty one fifteen win over Monmouth. Um, and this game, this game looked like it was over mm-hmm. for for like third quarter. They go up twenty one nothing, and I would like I quit checking my phone. Boom. There you I'm go. Like okay, right, moving on. And then it's like, okay, Monmouth goes on this long. The problem with the problem for Monmouth, what ended up being their undoing, is that they they had to drive the field like long, sustained drives. They just ran out of time. Like right. they they, wasted, they they weren't able to move the ball at all in the first first half. Um, but same, I mean, things did get hairy. Like Monmouth was, I don't know if they were throwing into the end zone. They were throwing near the end zone. I, th- I want to say the pick was in the end. Zone. Yeah, yeah. So they were throwing into the end zone in the final minute to yeah. take the lead. Uh, but the Sam Houston defense bowed up. Um, it was a little concerning, not concerning, because they're through and they won. Mm-hmm. The Sam Houston offense wasn't great. It was a little. It took a little it's bit of a day off. Probably Eric Schmidt's worst game of the season so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's been spectacular. So, like, you know, the high bar, right? Exactly. But I'd say you know the standard he set. Yeah, it's probably his worst game of the year. And you know, hopefully, I guess you know, especially now uh, with who's coming up, mm-hmm. um, you kind of hope that that's kind of out of the out of the way now, and he can probably put up his one of his better games. Well, and now, so if you didn't know, um, they now draw South Dakota State, um, North the, Dakota, North State. State, North Dakota State. Good they one. draw yeah. North, yeah, North Dakota State. <laughs> Although South Dakota State beat oh, them. Also, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's fair enough. North yeah, Dakota, yeah. they draw North Dakota State, the defending champs. Yeah. Uh, at two o'clock Sunday on ESPN, big ESPN. Ooh. They get it, uh, and yeah, I mean, look, this is. It, we'll probably talk about this later uh, in the in the week. Mm-hmm. We'll preview it more. But if you're going to get South North Dakota State this uh, like this is the year you want to do it, mm-hmm. they seem a little bit vulnerable. I mean, we're just not used to have them having losses playing this. Sure. And uh, obviously, with Trey Lance um, going to the NFL draft, that's a big reason. We'll talk more about that later this week. But uh, but yeah, Sam Houston is moving on. Uh, did you see this? Did you hear about this, Kev? Um, do you see uh, that uh, Texas got another ad- addition to the their signing class? I did not. This happened. So, this happened on Sunday, I think. Saturday or Sunday. Oh, it was at the Orange and White game. Okay. Xavier Worthy. Xavier oh. Worthy out of California. Interesting. Okay. Uh, a top 100 prospect, the number eight receiver in the country. Number four player in the state of California. He was a Michigan signee. A Michigan signee. And then something happened. 
And we don't know what. From what I understand, everything that I've heard, it is not like he got caught with drugs or like right. he like he you know did something wrong. Like it sounds like it was more or less out of his control, mm-hmm. something or at least that's what that's what I've heard. Yeah. As a result, he asked for his release from his letter of intent, and he has signed with Texas. Okay. Um, so he was an early enrollee in Michigan, uh, but an undisclosed issue halted the, his progress. Interesting. Uh, he then announced he has to be released on uh, April 15th, and he started talking with Texas, and now Texas has another signing. So uh, 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 is uh, Xavier Worthy, a former Michigan wide receiver, is signing with Texas. Elsewhere, don't you just here's, – here's pure off-season talk show fodder. Headline. College football playoff subcommittee presents expansion ideas to as many uh, as 16 teams. Oh, God. All right, man. Um, <laughs> and here with a take is Ishmael Johnson. How, how, how much do we have to expand this playoff before we just admit that the BCS was better? Ooh. Now the there's, BCS there's a was take. better. It was better. Like, if we're... There, there were parts of the BCS that were better. Yes. So, so here's, here's my thing. Here's how I would have fixed the BCS. Because, one, we're clearly seeing that people picking these games is not working. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Right. Because we have more controversy now than we ever did whenever the BCS released their rankings. If we would have just had two people in the BCS room, mm. they get the little print of paper that comes out with the, with the rankings, they say, eh, let's switch these two. And then that's it. That's the BCS. You have some human input yeah. to the BCS because the numbers worked. Like, to me, the numbers worked. If, if you would have won, I don't, uh, you know, we could, there was the controversy with Ohio State this year and the mm-hmm. Big Ten literally just fixing the rules so Ohio State can be in the championship game. Correct. That right. was the entire, the entire, if you didn't know, the reason the Big Ten played football this year at all was so that Ohio State could play in the playoff. Yes, and they literally fixed their rules because Ohio State did not play enough games to get in their conference tournament, their, their conference championship. They fixed the rules to get Ohio State in. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen with the BCS. BCS is just like, oh, they're out. Like, well, it's just like you, you, the numbers aren't there. Big Ten's not good this year. You're out. So right? I think the reason that people like the playoff is... Well, they like more football. They like, well, yes, there's that. Yes. The other part of it is I think they like the idea that, oh, no, like... The BCS was so exclusive. Like, they were always going to take yeah. uh, so-and-so. They are always right. going to take Ohio State and Alabama. They are always going to do that. Well, guys. I'll, I'll tell you what. You know who's easier to convince than people? A computer. Yes. <laughs> if you, Cincinnati and, had a better chance of convincing the computer that they deserved to be in than they did Condoleezza Rice. I don't know if she's on the committee anymore, but you know right. what I'm saying. Like a person, right? The people that hold inherent biases that are, by the way, most of these are just ADs of Power 5 schools. Yes. So, like, Cincinnati has to convince those 80s of Power well, 5 schools now to get in as opposed to just winning enough games by enough margins to convince a computer. And to me, the perfect – I think Cincinnati and even – was Cincinnati undefeated? Yes. Okay. The other Wait, one is – Let me double check. Yeah, check that. But yeah. Coastal Carolina. Like, Coastal right, yes. Carolina this year is, like, they are an undefeated team. They literally did everything that you could possibly ask them to do. They won every game. And they got sent to, what, the Boca Raton Bowl right. or something like that? Like, we can admit that the that the playoff system is broken. Um, and so... They were undefeated until they played Georgia in the... In the, in the, in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Um, that, it's, it's one thing that I think is, is, is interesting. Now, here's, what, here's what's going to happen, okay? Because mm-hmm. here's, here's 
There's what should happen, which we can have an argument. I think a good faith argument as to whether or not the BCS is was better than, than the playoff. Mm-hmm. But what's going to happen is that they're going to expand the playoff. Right. And because there's too much money now in it. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's what's going to happen. And so the only question is, do they go to six? Do they go to eight? Do they go to 16? What the other they? problem I have with the, the, the playoff as well is that it watered down bowl games. Like, bowl mm-hmm. games are already watered down because there are so many of them, right? Mm-hmm. But now, like, the Rose Bowl doesn't mean anything unless right. it's a playoff. Sugar Bowl doesn't mean anything. Like, when Texas beat Georgia, it was a big deal for Texas, right? Yeah. But, like, nobody really cared. Yeah. And, like, now it's, like, unless you're one of those four, those uh, uh, those semifinal games, right? If the yeah. Sugar Bowl's a semifinal or if the Peach Bowl, I guess, is one of them is a, is a semifinal. Like, you don't care if you get those bowl games. Well, now. and here's the thing. It, to me, I'm going to push back only a little bit. Okay. And that is, I agree, unless you're the semifinals. Mm-hmm. Or you are like the Frisco Bowl, where North Texas is really happy to be yes. going to a bowl. Yes. Or yes. if UTEP were to go to – if Texas State – we'll talk about them in a moment. Yeah. If Texas State were to go to bowl, they could be playing in the Myrtle Beach Bowl, and you'd be like, awesome. Sure. Like, fantastic. 100%. Yes, yes. The problem is the creamy middle. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? The New Year's Six, to me, isn't a prestigious thing. Right. right? They're making this whole thing. It's like, oh, the highest uh, – a uh, group of five team in, in the playoff rankings goes to New Year's Six. Yes. That's cool. But it's like almost teasing them, saying you're never going to make the playoff, so here's the X Bowl. Here's right. the Cotton Bowl. Right. Right? Just to put you in something. As opposed to in the BCS, where like, you know there are only two slots. Yes. And if you don't get that, okay, Rose Bowl, cool. Yeah. Okay, Peach Bowl, Sugar Bowl, cool. Like, it's not well, – you didn't make the national title. Oh, well, here are these other prestigious bowl games. And and, and we can probably – And when they expand – but the, the last thing I want to say, but when they expand the playoff, it's just going to water down even more. And I think the discussion is just going to continue to be, oh, is it six? Why isn't it eight? Oh, if it's eight, why isn't it 16? Oh, is it 16? Why isn't it 24? Oh, look, we have March Madness. Right. Like, <laughs> and, and to me, I think that – I don't know. They, there's – I think one of the things, and, and this is probably a whole segment unto itself, we can yeah. do our own segment, and we will because it's the offseason. <laughs> um, but the one thing that I would say is interesting about that is the, the reason that the Rose Bowl was so – like my dad went to Illinois. Okay? Mm-hmm. My dad went to Illinois. If you remember, Illinois was once good at football. Yeah. When they had Kirk Kittner, they yeah. were really good. They went to the Rose Bowl. And like – it was a huge deal for my dad to go, like, that they were going to the Rose Bowl. Like, that's yeah. cool. Because there was that tradition, because it was always Big Ten versus Pac-12. Mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, what this, what the new championship situation, whether it's the playoff or the BCS, what it ruined was those traditional tie-ins that, yes. that you know, that, that the Cotton Bowl would always have yeah. or things like that. So that's, that's to me, is, is something that can be fixed, but they're not going to. Because, again, guys, can't stress this enough. This is not about football. This right. is about money. Yep. Okay. A couple of headlines uh, from the high school uh, ranks real quick. Uh, coaching news. One, Lancaster's finally made a hire. Lancaster was open for a long time. You may remember Chris Gilbert left Lancaster to go take over as uh, director of recruiting, director of football personnel, director of Something one of those one of those rules at Texas. Yes. Um, he uh, And so that opened up Lancaster. Director of high school relations. That's it. Director of high school relations. Which is, um, yeah. which is a good role, good role for him. Yeah, knowing Chris Gilbert, uh, it was definitely something where it was like, "Hey, we should get this guy on staff." It's like, let's make a position that he'd be good at. Yes, <laughs> it's like just to get him on staff. Let's just make like, the let's not? make the job for him. Yes. Um, and so they did. Uh, they they hired uh, Texas hired Chris Gilbert. Uh, it's a Lancaster. Lancaster. It was open for a while, yeah. and there were there were some 
things we can't share behind the scenes that like of, of dragging feet and rumblings and things of just a weird hiring process. They have made a hire. They've hired Duncanville assistant Leon Paul. Leon Paul is, uh, I would say it's a little bit of a dark horse pick for Lancaster. Obviously down there in that, that part of, of DFW, um, down there off 20. They, but Leon Paul was the passing game coordinator for Duncanville. I think the other thing of note, uh, he is their track coach. Mm-hmm. And Duncanville has a very good track team. Yes. So I am sure that he'll be doing double duty there. So Lancaster's hired Leon Paul. Elsewhere, one more thing. Uh, Todd Wright has resigned at Killing Ellison, which is a little bit surprising. Anytime there's a coaching change at this point, uh, I mean, we're late April. Uh, anytime there's a coaching change, it's a little bit surprising. And so Killing Ellison is open. Todd Wright has resigned. So those are some headlines from across the state. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com, TexasFootball.com, where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Hey, Ish, tell people to subscribe. Subscribe. You should do that. It's pretty cool because I, me and you both aren't sleeping right now because we're trying to get this magazine done. TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. There you go. All right. One last thing to do today. Yeah. And and, and, and part of it is that we haven't had you on the show in a while. Mm-hmm. But I want to start a series here uh, uh, of state of the program. State of the program uh, for the colleges, uh, the FC, uh, FBS college teams across the state of Texas. And since we've got you, you are you are writing the Texas State preview for mm-hmm. the 2021 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Please still buy it. We're not going to give away everything here. Lots more insights in the magazine. Yes. In fact, like you talked with Jake Spavitol. Yes. Um, but we want to give an overview of where the Texas State pro- uh, uh, program is right now. And mm-hmm. so, Ishmael Johnson, mm. what is the state of the Texas State program right now? Uh, ongoing. Um, <laughs> I, 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 the one thing I will, I will tease this from the preview. The one thing that I really was sold on from talking with Spavadol was his recruiting strategy because of course they made headlines when they did not take any high school players. Right. Let me tell you, let me preview yeah, yeah. a little bit of the magazine for you. Okay. Yeah. I will tell you what the weirdest page in the magazine is going to be. <laughs> it's going to, because you know, we have five pages for every FBS team. Yes. The fifth page is the recruiting page. There's going to be one guy yeah. and it's a Juco signing. Yeah. So everybody else was a transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Obviously, he made headlines because when you go two and ten, people expect you to have some kind of like rebuild strategy and like bring in a new influx of talent. And he kind of more or less sold me on that not being necessary right now. Mm. Um, and the overall pre- the angle I took for the preview is how he kind of believes the future is fine. Mm-hmm. What they need to worry about is the present. And because the future is fine, he doesn't need to bring in more fresh for this class, 2021 specifically, not 2022, not 2020. They're, they're on, they're offering kids right now for 2022, things like that. But he thinks because they're so young, he thinks they're actually okay right now for the future. He doesn't feel like they're going to, if, if this, if something doesn't pan out that they're going to be hindering 2023 or 2024 with lack of numbers. Mm -hmm. His problem is they think they have too many young guys right now. And so that's why you see guys like Eric Sutton from SMU, DC Williams from Vanderbilt, Nick McCann from Texas Tech. Uh, these guys that are experienced and still have some years under him. I think uh, 
uh, Demarquise Hayes from Kansas State, still technically a freshman. Um, that's why you see them going that route because he's looking at him like we need to we're we need to compete right now because we were playing a lot of guys that probably shouldn't have been playing last year. Well, and you know one thing we've talked about is with Texas State in the past and and probably Spavital's first year yeah. and and you know certainly the year the the last years of of Everett Withers. Mm-hmm. You looked at the roster, and I don't mean this disrespectfully to anybody who plays there, but we would look at the roster and be like are these FBS guys? Sure. Like, there was a talent deficit there. Mm-hmm. And so that had to be rebuilt. And I think rebuilt, and I think it's interesting because what you're saying fundamentally is that they are the reverse Houston. Yes. Houston is like, we're playing for the future. We're playing for the future. We're playing for 2022, 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got it. Like, like if the, if the short-term um, results are not pos- are not great, that's okay as long as by 2022, 2023, even I would say 2021 to a certain extent, right. um, are, are good, then we'll be okay. Right. What you're saying is they feel pretty good about 2022 and beyond, Yeah. but they kind of have to keep their jobs <laughs> until then. <laughs> right, 100%. And so, like, uh, and so when I was doing this, I was looking at, I decided to look at the roster and look at the class breakdown because, of course, COVID kind of froze, every, potentially froze everybody's eligibility, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, true freshmen technically still have four or five years of eligibility left. And so I looked and I was like, okay, well, let me look at this roster a little bit. They have, they only have 13 seniors. Mm. And you look at the guys that played last year, right? You look at the, the big names, Brady McBride, technically still a sophomore, right? Man, is that right? He's still a sophomore. He can still, because he was a sophomore last year, he technically still has, he's still, he's still got so- three more years of eligibility. as a sophomore on the roster. So he's right? got three more years of eligibility. hundred percent. Wow. You look at a Brock Sturgis. Brock Sturgis, sophomore. Jamil Jeter, sophomore. Mm-hmm. Marcel Barbie is a I believe he's technically a senior this year, but he's coming back. Right. Marcel Barbie's coming back. Um Dalton Cooper was their starting left tackle. He's a freshman again. Like, so you look at the guys that we saw last year. Yeah. They're still okay. Kavion Patton was a senior last year. He got injured. He's back. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh Jaron Morris, I think Jaron Morris is a senior. Like uh he's a junior. Jaron Morris is still a junior. Jared Morris has been starting for the past 10 years for Texas State, it seems like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Man, that's, it's, so, it's, it's funny because yeah. I, I, I was reading your preview and the name Jared Morris came off. And I go, He's still I almost called you and was like, I think you've, I think you've made a mistake. But no, <laughs> right, right. he's there. He's back. He's there, yeah. He was starting for, I think, it's, I mean, he feels like he was starting for Everett Withers first year. Um, but yeah, so all those guys are sophomores and still sophomores and juniors and freshmen that were mm-hmm. players last year. And so, don't get me wrong. Like, I think it would have been nice to maybe bring in a couple of high school kids, obviously. But the more I talk, and granted, that could just be he's a great salesman, right? Yeah. <laughs> but looking at the strategy and looking at the roster and looking at what they had and looking at what, what they needed to do, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of things they needed to fix, especially on defense. They were really young on defense last year. Yeah. They were really hurt on defense last year. And so bringing in a lot of these guys that will start right away with FBS experience while you nurse some of these freshmen that probably got thrown, like Zion Childress probably shouldn't have been starting last year. Right. Um, good player. Probably be really good in a couple of years, but he was thrown to the fire. Um, but now you have guys like Nick McCann to where you don't need Jordan Revels to be the star right away. Right. Right. Jordan Revels is going to be a uh, going to be probably one of the starters on the defensive line, but you don't need him to be the guy now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm 
what, trust me, when when signing day came around and they signed one junior college guy, I think Deontay Washington, mm-hmm. um, who, by the way, they're really high on as well. But when they signed one JUCO guy, it was like, all right, what's, what's going on here, right? Well, but, and, but it also, the thing is, it also, just in the way, knowing what I know about Jake Spavitol, and you know him better than I do, but mm-hmm. knowing what I know about him, he is very much kind of a zig when they zag type of guy. And sure. he's a guy who wants to find to use a money ball term find that that inefficiency and Mm -hmm. find like find a way to do things smarter knowing full well what challenges that they have that Mm -hmm. texas state's not going to bring in uh, like quinn ewers is not going to decommit from ohio state and go to texas state right it's just not going to happen but you've got to find a way to, to to manage your roster and and in a lot of ways covid could end up being one of those inefficiencies mm-hmm. that savvy coaches can exploit the wrong word but can utilize to their advantage and take and take advantage of the extra year of eligibility well yeah so that's what he, he brought that up too and that's, this is something not in the piece because um, I was talking to him where you know we kind of went on a little tangent just about this whole thing and he mentioned like you know, Alabama's brought in 25 freshmen, right? All these yeah. colleges bought in, brought in full classes. What's it going to say about the freshmen that are there that are still freshmen, yeah. right? It's going to be a domino effect eventually because we've already seen this kind of rapid transfer uh, cycle the past couple of years where if you're a highly touted freshman and you see a good sophomore, oh, you're not going to start for at least three years, you're going to leave, right? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a domino effect, right? You're not going to, I'm not saying Texas State's going to get a four star, but like there's going to be some guy from Alabama transferring to Arkansas. That guy from Arkansas is going to go to SMU. That's going to kick back an SMU guy, right? And so it's going to be a domino effect to where you're going to, it's going to be a lot of attrition, I think, the next two years, especially. I think the next two years, we're going to see a lot of attrition, a lot more attrition than we've seen with these rosters because these freshman holdovers that are still freshmen from the 2020 class are going to be like, well, they're bringing in another freshman? Mm-hmm. Whoa, I'm not going to start for four years, three, four years. I'm out. And so you're going to see a lot of these kickbacks, and I think you're going to see a lot of influx to group of five. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to see a lot of fall, uh, a lot of influx of elite talent to FCS mm-hmm. because you're going to see this kickback of talent. Um, and also, I think me and Sean talked about this a little bit, FCS, D2 are already going to get a lot of uh, talent from this 2021 class because a lot of seniors didn't get film yeah. or a lot of like a lot of scouts couldn't get uh, out there to a lot of games to see a lot of these guys. Like we mentioned uh, Ed Bobino to go to SFA, mm-hmm. right? That's a guy who probably would have gotten a group of five p- offer if this was a normal year and scouts could have been out there and seeing what he did. But instead, SFA gets this really talented uh, defensive tackle. And I think you're going to see that continuing to happen for the next two years because you don't have that attrition. And I think schools like Texas State are setting themselves up to potentially benefit from that because they basically said, we're young enough right now, we don't need to bring in 20 more right. freshmen to you know push out some of these other guys that they actually believe in. Because if, you do, if they do believe in some of these talented guys, you know— why would you bring in a freshman to potentially kick mm-hmm. one of those guys out, right? So, well, and now I will say, and I do want to ask you another question, but yeah. I will say that there is, there is like, there are potentially aftershocks of this in the sure. sense that, look, I mean, let's be honest, that like not signing any high school kids mm-hmm. could rub some people the wrong way, hundred percent, like some coaches. So it's a risk. It's not just like, oh, you know, there's a little bit of, like, there's there's some risk here, and there's a little bit of uh, of, of a sense of you got to trust us. We know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So I do think that the 2022 recruiting class is going to be particularly interesting. for them. Yes. Okay. So 
you've sold me on um you've sold me on the idea of there is optimism for the future mm-hmm. for 2022 2023 beyond right is there is there that same optimism for the present you mentioned that that's what they they're working on mm-hmm. is there that same reason to be positive about texas state in 2021 in a couple of months i think so i think because one is going to sound pessimistic but literally can't get worse <laughs> true two, you're not trust me you can you can say oh they can go one in 11 or whatever sure fine but two and ten is pretty bad they were also really unfortunate when it came to one score games mm-hmm. last year like unusually unfortunate right they miss an extra point against utsa they basically had smu on the ropes and mm-hmm. lost it they had boston college on the ropes and lost it they had georgia southern on the ropes and lost it and so like they were really unfortunate in a lot of those one-score games that typically are 50-50. Two of those games go the other way, four-win team, yeah. right off the bat, right? right? And, um, and, and there's probably a very different kind of conversation then. Right, 100%. And so I think you look at the strides they took last year. The defense was not good because they were so – they were devastated by injury, right? Jaron Morris was playing safety towards the end of last year, um, which is why, again, they brought in – most of the transfers you see are – Defense, right? Linebackers, secondary, defensive line. Uh, a lot of those transfers you, uh, you, 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 they brought in were starting caliber guys to fill those holes right away. Offensively, what do you have a question mark about? Yeah. You bring back Marcel Barbie. You bring back all the running backs, which are Brock Sturge, Jamil Jeter, Calvin Hill, like all stellar. Brady McBride's last three games of the year were well, up there with some of the best quarterbacks in the in the state. So, like, so yeah. there, that would be where I would say, like, where where are you worried about our offense mm-hmm. would be making sure that Brady McBride is as consistent as mm-hmm. he was at the end of the year, yeah. all year, because 100%. the beginning of the year was not kind. Of him. He right. was he was not good. He did get better, but. We have to. I I need to see proof that that was not a dead cat bounce. That was right. a that was a, a a a positive step in the right direction, and that he is getting better at under center. Yeah, no, that that was that was something that uh, I asked both uh, Brady and Jake Spavitt all about. I was like, you got you know you you benched Brady McBride. You know what did that do for your confidence? And what did the, and he was straight up. He was pretty candid. He said like, look, sometimes a quarterback just needs to take back, take a seat and see what's going on mm-hmm. uh and brady mcbride said the same thing he was like after that you know he told me i needed to calm down a bit because he we you know was we always say like we're not coaches we're not scouts we can't really see what's happening but a lot of what we kind of saw was what was happening he was doing too much he mm-hmm. was running around a little too much he was trying to you know he spavitov literally said this isn't Capel, right you can't be running around <laughs> i know right sorry greg um <laughs> This isn't Capel. You can't be running back ten yards and thinking you can elude the defender. Everybody's your. Everybody's as fast as you, and so he said. Basically, we're gonna. You're gonna sit for a couple weeks because mm-hmm. you're doing too much of that. And when he came back, you saw a guy was more patient. You saw a guy was more deliberate in his decision making, and that's what he said he saw as well. Was like, he's like, okay, here's a guy who's starting to get it right. Um, and the other thing, it'd been three years since he had taken a game rep yeah. before he took that snap against SMU. He was red shirt. Uh, he was he was a uh, uh, first year of eligibility at Texas State was not he was not eligible, redshirted at, at Memphis and so it had been three years since his senior year at Coppell since he had taken mm-hmm. an in game snap so this is of course I think it was even a shock how good he, how decently he looked against SMU, um, but so I I'm not worried about Brady McBride and especially because they have a good quarterback room now mm-hmm. right Ty Vitt. Pretty good, mm-hmm. Tyler Vitt. I like I like what what he brings. I don't think he's you know should, 
I think Brady McBride's better, but if things came to it, Tyler Bitt's good. And then Ty Evans is a highly touted quarterback. Um, he was a highly touted quarterback coming going to uh, North Carolina State, I believe. Um, and so they have a capable quarterback room. I think Brady McBride is the guy from all indications. The spring game still indicates that. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's reporting. I think Kef, uh, Kef and both, both Kef and Drew King both reported that Brady McBride still solidly looks like the guy. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I think for the first time in a while, the offensive line's good, too. Um, and so I think that this is room for optimism. Now, what does that optimism generate? Is that four wins, five wins? Maybe. I would not be shocked to see them win six, but I'm, I would probably be a little bit more realistic and say four to five wins. I would not be shocked to see. He's Ishmael Johnson. He uh, giving us the state of the program address from from Texas State. You can step down from the podium now. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, your speech writers did an excellent did excellent ah, yes. work. Yes, very very good. Uh, all right, let's get some final thoughts. Uh, appreciate everybody uh, hopping in the comments. I'm trying to do this on the fly here. Let me do the. Uh, is there, I don't know where the final thoughts thing is. Okay, it's just gonna have to say stay the program with Ishmael Johnson. Mm-hmm. Or no, I'll do this. Um, this there. Okay. Um, okay. So we did have one question from from back in the beginning, and that mm-hmm. is from um, uh, Aaron Flynn. And he asks, Ish, rank your top five Godzilla movies. I'm not going to ask you to do all five. Ooh. But give me f- give me three recommendations. Okay. okay? They, you don't have to say they're your three favorite because I know, I, know, I know you, mm-hmm. and I know you would want to sit down with a spreadsheet and, like, actually yeah. figure it out. I'm going to try to get the ones that stood out from when I was a kid okay. that stood out most to me. Okay. I'm going to go with Godzilla versus Gigan. Okay. I'm going to go with Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla because that was the one uh, when I was little, I thought King Caesar was really cool, even though he mm-hmm. just got his butt kicked in every m- movie that he's in. Uh, and then I have no idea if this one holds up. I need to rewatch it. Godzilla versus Megalon because that's the one with Jet Jaguar, and which is bas- which is this other Japanese, like I think it's like a Voltron ripoff or like an <laughs> Ultraman ripoff. And it was Gigan and I forgot who else. Uh, it was basically like a, a kaiju tag team game. Uh, tag team movie and i remember watching that like 20 times so i'm gonna go godzilla versus okay. megalon so okay. yeah that's why i bring him in folks for <laughs> texas state and godzilla that's why he's on staff here basically uh all right that's gonna do it for us thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us follow us on twitter at dctf like us on facebook facebook.com slash dave campbells follow us on instagram instagram.com slash dave campbells and of course see us at texasfootball.com tomorrow uh we will talk about the texas high school barbecue state championships because pickle should be back uh, assuming that you know this uh that she she sorts out these legal issues, um, and so yeah. <laughs> so uh, for Ishmael Johnson, I'm Greg Tepper. You want to do you want to do the thing? Oh yeah, Vince Young, come get your Player of the Year trophy. <laughs> we will see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today.